And welcome to Mystery Science Marshall, a podcast all about the wonderful media in the world that I love. Hello, everybody. I know it has been quite a while since I published the last episode. David and I, um, when we talked about music in Star Wars, that was all the way back in September. The reason there has been no post thus far is because I'm sort of a college student. I had my first semester of college this past fall, wild ride, interesting time to go to school during a pandemic, and I'm sure I will talk about that eventually in another episode sometime throughout the year, but starting now, I would like to get back into podcasting, and I actually already have some episodes recorded that are coming down the pipeline, but I have missed doing this. I have missed speaking out into the void of podcast land about the things about the media that I love, and usually with friends. This episode is just going to be me. And we're going to be discussing a piece of media that I was totally obsessed with and totally got back into in 2020. But mentioning 2020 makes me want to bring up that this episode will be dropping on not 2020, when it's not 2020 anymore. This episode will be dropping on January 1st, 2021. Can you believe it, everybody that is listening? We have made it through the miserable, groggy existence of 2020. A year that I thought was going to be pretty dang good. That for most of the world was... All of the world was quite awful. Quite sad. Living through a pandemic, living through so much death and so much sadness, so much political polarization in the United States and, and in other places of the world, of course. But with the 2020 election, there was just a lot of weight floating around in the air there. A lot of anticipation and, again, a lot of hate, sadly. But there were some good things that happened in 2020. I graduated high school. I began college, which is both those things were quite difficult during the pandemic, during COVID. Yet I did it. And those are huge milestones in my life that the stories will only be more vivid, will only be more poignant, I think, because of COVID. There'll be more of a story to it to tell, I feel like. Which is what you hear lots of people saying. And, you know, oh, class of 2020. Well, class of 2020, we were, we were pretty lucky that we got half of our school year. Class of 2021 is not getting, not having a good time. My, my, my best friend is, and is still, still in high school. She's currently a senior in high school. Uh, and it's not going well. Oh, she's, there's just so many, so much that she's missing out on and so much that is so strange. So strange. And so that's really, really unfortunate. So 2020 was pretty bad. But there were so many good things. And hopefully someday I'll be able to talk about some very good things. I made some strides personally this year that were really important and that I think I'm building on. I'm, I've, I'm learning, learning a lot about myself. And I learned a lot about myself through quarantine and through being alone. Having more, having more intentional alone time in some ways, even though, you know, I've, I've realized loneliness is something I've been dealing with for quite a long time, and the pandemic did not help with that at all. But I've learned some things, and I have some goals moving forward, and some things really haven't set, uh, set in until really, really, they quite right at the end. There's been lots of things to, in 2020 that have kind of been building up and things in my personal life 
ideas of what what is a friendship and i think 2020 is 2020s helped me realize the people in my life who really care about me and who i really care about and should be investing time in what is my who is my family and who is my my found family my my friends and what really makes a friend who are the people who make me feel good about myself make me feel accomplished and happy and who i can help feel accomplished you know make somebody feel good which is important too and i'm realizing that i'm realizing what a good friendship is and i'm beginning to realize that 2020 was the beginning of a lot a lot a lot of good personal development for me and so i'm really really happy about that i'm really happy about that even though it was quite a rough year because of real some of those personal realizations and of course because of the pandemic and just just the awful isolation and the awful the awfulness that has been floating around the year and such the despair which we see it's everywhere politics has not helped with that at all a lot of world events has not helped with that at all but yet you know throughout this dark time we've heard lots of things come up we've heard many calls to action particularly in the united states for racial justice which is the original first sin slavery and genocide and issues with race is the original sin of this country that we've never been able to solve that still 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 although we have made progress black and brown peoples in this country are still so marginalized and have a higher incarceration rate and are so badly mistreated you know most notably this year by the police which has been a thing forever and it's finally being called upon there is systematic racism in this country in this world still but really in america in america it's horrible and we're all white people like myself everybody we're all complicit in ignoring it and having our own implicit biases towards whiteness and just thoughts um, innate it seems almost programmed by our culture thoughts against blackness against black and brown peoples which i'm not you know i've had thoughts um just you know seeing uh passing a black person on the street and not saying hello like i would like a normal like a white woman that's a real implicit bias which makes there's no sense and i'm not proud to say that but i admit that that has happened to me and it's horrible I'm guilty. I'm guilty of racism. And I think so many white people are realizing that more and more this year, which is good, which is what we what needs to happen. And not just realizing it, but actually trying to, to have a, to speak out against it and join hands with our um, siblings of different races in the world. And try to do something. Try to speak out. Try to inform. And that's where the death of George Floyd and Brianna Taylor this year, particularly within criminal justice, within the police, we've seen that explode this year. And the protests and our national conversation about race will, from 2020 onwards, it's going to be a huge change. And I hope, I hope and pray, and I hope to help in some way, my own way, further acceptance and knowledge about racism and where it is everywhere. And try to fight that because it is, again, the original sin and vice which still hangs tangibly in the air of this country all around us every single day that I've had the privilege to ignore for a lot of my life. But now is the time to say something about it. So we had that in 2020. We had these calls for racial for racial justice and the protests. And again, the horrible deaths, the horrible murders, vicious murders of George Floyd, of Breonna Taylor, publicized for the world to see, for the world to see these atrocious acts that are happening right here in the, in the United States and how much work we need to do. 
So we have that with COVID, with fires, forced fires as the year started, of course, is what everybody says. And then murder hornets, of course, murder hornets, and Tiger King. Oh my gosh, Tiger King. Remember that back in April, end of March, April? Man, Netflix released that at the perfect, perfect time. So it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> but important landmarks in my life. An important personal growth in my life, which again, someday on this podcast, I totally intend to talk about. And those of you who are listening who know what I'm talking about, yeah, I thank you for those of you who have helped me through things that have occurred this year. 2021, there was a lot of hope for 2021. Uh, There's going to be a lot of hope on January 20th when (laughs) Joseph R. Biden Jr., is sworn in as president of the United States. Oh my gosh, that's going to be a good day. But there is a lot to look forward to in 2021. There's still a lot we still have to overcome with, just just speaking about COVID, I mean, there's it's still a threat. And we still have to be so vigilant and mask up and not gather for a long time. 2022 is when, hopefully in the fall of 2021, things can start to feel normal. And if it, everything will be different, so I don't like saying feeling normal because the lessons that we've learned in 2020 will populate our lives. So normal is not, and we and should populate our lives and direct our lives moving moving forward. So if saying normal is not not really okay, things will begin to there'll be a new normal created. Going back to some things, but I think an increased knowledge about health. Speaking, speaking about COVID, an increased knowledge about health and sanitary conditions and about some of these threats, which I think will do us, serve us well. 2021 will be a very good year for all of us to realize after COVID, after this year of deep contemplation for many people, including myself, who are we? What are we doing? How can we make the world a better place? How can we spread love and grace and kindness and compassion and forgiveness? In a post-COVID world, in a time when so much darkness surrounds us, how do we do that? And that's our mission, and that's our challenge. And that's our personal discovery to continue going on in 2021. So there is my talk about 2020 and about the new year that we have just entered into now in 2021. But also, the day that this is being released on January 1st, 2021... It's not just New Year's Day. It's not just the beginning of a new year and the end of the nightmare of 2020. It's also the 10-year anniversary of the topic of today's show. The 10-year anniversary of a show that I watched when I was 8, 9, and 10 years old on Nickelodeon. It aired every season 1 and 2 aired every single night at like 6 and 6, six o'clock, I want to say. Maybe it was 6.30 Central Time in the U.S., in the, in the United States. It aired... Every single night, almost, Monday through Friday, today, January 1st, 2021, when this episode is being released, now when I'm recording it, is the 10-year anniversary of the initial airing of House of Anubis. House of Anubis is a teeny, inty, weensy little show that aired in on Nickelodeon from 2011 until 2013. It ran for three wonderful wacky, insanely uh, personal seasons. I don't know. I don't know how to describe this show. I'm doing a whole episode on it, talking about it by myself, so I should know how to describe it because hopefully I can fill the whole time slot that I have for myself here. Um, House of Anubis is a, is, is a show that I don't even know how I found out about it. I think I remember seeing promos for it on Nickelodeon. But it would have been at the end of 2010. And then I was there for the first episode, for the airing of the first episode on... January the 1st, 2011. I remember that. I remember watching it because I was so, I was intrigued. I was intrigued by those promos they had put out about this whole mystery thing and then this was a show known around the world coming to Nickelodeon, a new version of it. There was mystery in this British boarding school and this whole thing. And I remember just being so enthralled instantly, instantly by House of Anubis. And it quickly became my nightly routine to always watch the new episodes of House of Anubis as they were airing. And I just fell in love with this show. And this year, during quarantine, I actually, a few years ago, I had bought season two on DVD, and uh, season two part one on DVD. And I bought the second half of season two during quarantine to watch. 
and I just fell right back into watching this show. And then CBS All Access put House of Anubis this fall on on their streaming platform, which I have CBS All Access. My mother does. <laughs> and I was just was watching it there, and I rewatched season one, and I, I rewatched parts of season three earlier. And I just started to fall back in love with House of Anubis. It's, it's such a niche show that actually has a kind of a resurgence this year. During quarantine on Tumblr, there was a resurgence of the House of Anubis fandom. This summer, um, three women started a podcast about House of Anubis. Laura, Brenna, and Emily of Anubis Backwards, which I adore listening to that podcast. That podcast did a lot to re-enliven my love of House of Anubis and, and create that spark again of my, of my obsession. This is the real obsession of me, for me, this, this program, this House of Anubis. And today, to start off 2021, on the 10th anniversary, I'm going to talk about why I love House of Anubis and why you should watch House of Anubis. So what exactly is House of Anubis? What is this show that I was just hyping up for a few minutes here? Well, I'll give you the basic premise and the story of it. So House of Anubis is sort of teen drama trash. House of Anubis walked so... This isn't true at all. This is just my what I think. House of Anubis walked so shows like... So bad shows like Riverdale can run today. House of Anubis is what maybe is, is the... Precursor to a lot of the dark academia, like Greenhouse Academy, sorts of shows that you see today. Even like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> House of Anubis is the, is the precursor dark academia. I mean, Harry Potter is too. But this is way better than Harry Potter. This is my, this is my British boarding school show. I always say House of Anubis was my Harry Potter. I was not into Harry Potter. I have not I've read all the books. I've read only some of them. I read the first two. And I strangely read parts of Order of the Phoenix. But House of Anubis was my British boarding school show. I always say that. My friends get mad at me. My friends that love uh, people like David, who love Harry Potter, get mad when I say, I love House of Anubis, it's my Harry Potter. But so what is House of Anubis? As I said, it aired on Nickelodeon from 2011 to 2013. It's sort of a teen mystery show. You know, it was marketed toward tweens and even younger kids. I mean, I, was, I started watching it when I was eight on Nickelodeon. So everything is sort of... There's drama in the Nickelodeon way. There's sadness and suspense sometimes in the Nickelodeon way. But the, the plots and, and, and the characters are surprisingly sophisticated. This show is way more sophisticated than your Zoe 101 or your iCarly or your Drake and Josh and those sorts of tweeny Nickelodeon programming. And in many ways it is more sophisticated because it had British writers. And the show, the main cast of the show, most of the cast is British and they filmed it in Liverpool. So it's a very British sensibility. And, and the main premise is, it's set at this English boarding school, Amin Academy, and it's centered on these students living in one boarding house in particular. So there's different houses in this boarding school. And one of them, they're all named after, like, Egyptian gods. And the house where these kids live is the House of Anubis. And some students in this house uncover this really deep Egyptian mystery. There's mysterious things and mysterious treasure hidden in the house, and hidden underneath the house, as it turns out, in season two. And it's up to these kids to solve the mystery. Some of these kids. These kids end up, five of them, end up forming a group called Sabuna, which is Anubis spelled backwards. And they're the ones who are, who are adamant and who are venturing through the house to solve this mystery. So there's the mystery aspect of it, and like all of these teen shows, these teen dark academia mystery shows... There's both the mystery and there's the relationships and the high school drama. So there's things like school elections and a school newspaper scandal and romances. There's a bunch of romances and will-they-won't-they they sort of deals. And some of those things get drawn on. Some of those things, I love them. And we're going to talk about that. So there's both the mystery and there's the high school relationship drama to the extent. It's, it's like, oh no, Nina, if we don't get this mask of Anubis you're going to die, and Sin Cara's going to kill you. <gasps> and the dance is tomorrow! <laughs> that is practically what happens in season two with the Masquerade Dance. And, oh no, who's Fabian going to take? Yeah. So that's kind of the basic premise um, of, 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 the, of the show. 
in season one, how the mystery sort of begins is the main character of seasons one and two and of House of Anubis is Nina Martin. Nina Martin is this girl. She's from America. So she's an American student that gets this scholarship to be able to go and attend this, this, this elite British boarding school. And she's placed in the House of Anubis boarding house. So as Nina arrives at the school, another girl that lived in Anubis' house vanishes. She's completely gone without a trace. Somebody apparently picked her up from school, and she's not seen again. And her best friend, Patricia, is suspicious, A, of Nina, because Nina just shows up, and Joy said nothing about leaving. The teachers at the school, like Mr. Sweet, who's the headmaster, and Victor. Victor's their um, housekeeper who lives in the house with them. And it's sort of their odd jobs man. That's how Willow kind of describes their role. He's also sort of the, I think, and the Anubis Backwoods girls were talking about this. He's probably like the main maintenance man of the whole school, too. But Victor sort of is, is their housemaster of Anubis' house. Victor says that Joy's parents, Joy, so this girl that vanished name is Joy. She says that Joy's parents just came and picked her up. They just didn't want her to be at school anymore. Patricia will not take that as an answer because Joy would have said something or been in contact. Turns out Victor, you know, Joy, like, left her phone, but Victor confiscated it and just, and just burned the phone. <laughs> so something clearly is going on here, and Patricia thinks Nina is involved with it initially. And Nina, at the House of Anubis, she begins to form a close bond with Fabian, who is a nice boy who goes to the house, who's, who lives in Anubis' house. Fabian is quite the—he's the studious one. Fabian's very, very smart. He's—he's sort of you're that role in this show. He's very book smart and likes to do all the research and stuff. So she forms a friendship with Fabian, and then Amber. Amber is very much the girly girl. Amber's pretty ditzy. She loves fashion. She's dating the jock, the the school jock at the beginning of the show, Mick, who also goes to Anubis' house. And she becomes friends with Amber, and Amber's actually a lot smarter than than it seems. Amber's got a really good heart. She's a bit, can be eccentric a little bit sometimes, but we love Amber. And three of these, these three characters start to uncover the mystery of the house. In In the attic, there's these mysterious phonographs and objects they find. Nina, one day, when she's walking to school, stumbles across this old woman who's just outside the school looking at the Anubis house, and she says something like, that's that, that's my house, that's my house. And Nina takes her back to her old, old person home that she appeared to have wandered like away from. And this woman says her name is Sarah, and gives Nina a locket, a locket that's in the shape of this eye, which is sort of the Egyptian eye of Horus. And so that's what that necklace is called, the eye of Horus. And this eye of Horus gets her into certain certain places, unlocks certain things in the house. It unlocks this mysterious panel, a secret room basically in the attic, and it unlocks a secret entrance into the cellar. And so Nina and Fabian and Amber... Joined by Patricia eventually, and another student named Elfie, and sort of Jerome by the end, start to uncover this mystery and these, these, these mysterious artifacts that are hidden around the house that end up, that they think are clues to, a, to the treasure. There's some treasure in Anubis' house. But also it appears Victor, who's their housemaster, and Mr. Sweet, who's the headmaster, and Mrs. Andrews, a teacher at the school, and eventually Mr. Winkler, who's a teacher... They seem to be after this treasure as well. And the teachers have the secret society that seems to be up to no good. And it ends up being a plot revolving around immortality. That's what the teachers want. And this treasure will help them do that. And there's these, these the artifacts. The, the artifacts come join to maybe make the treasure. And so it's a really fun ride in season one. Now, this series was based on previous shows. There was a, uh, a Netherlands version, I believe. Or was it Danish? I can never remember if it was from Denmark or, Nether- or the Netherlands, called Hit Hus Anubis. I'm not, probably not saying that right. And then there was a German version called Das Haus Anubis. Das Haus Anubis. Probably just probably say, saying it more in a German accent. And then they made this American, this, this British American version, English language version of the show. And so the plots are derived from those two versions of the story. Especially in season one. Season one in particular. So it's a really fun mystery. There's lots of fun romances. In particular, season one, there is this romantic tension between Fabian and Nina. There's really in season one, will they, won't they? And 
Then they get together, and then season two happens, and everything falls apart. <laughs> and then season three happens, and even more things fall apart. Hashtag Nettie Summer Romance, am I right, everybody? Nettie, ha ha ha. I don't really subscribe to that to the theory that that happened, but that's a whole thing. So there's Fabina, that's Fabian and Nina's called Fabina in season one. The other standout of season one is Mick and Mara. So Mick, who's that jock, eventually does kind of break up from Amber, and there's this other girl at the school who goes to Anubis' house, Mara, who's sort of the studious girl stereotype, or the, the role in these shows. And so Mick and Mara get together, so it's the mathlete and the athlete, and that's a really, actually... Kind of, those two do some really bad things to each other. Mara, in particular, makes some really just horrendous choices. And ridiculous choices. Like, how? why would she ever think to do that with, with Mick and trying to get Mick? Or being jealous of Mick? Uh, and Mick does some not pretty not good stuff, too. So it's a great, th- those relationships are really fun in season one. In season two, you know, um, after they've solved the mystery of season one, they the, the Sabuna Club, so uh, Fabian, Nina... Amber, Alfie, and Patricia discover that there is another mystery in the house, actually underneath the house. And season two is really fun because there's all these these tunnels they discover underneath the house that lead to something called the Mask of Anubis. That's sort of the MacGuffin of the season, is trying to find this Mask of Anubis, which Nina has been quested to find by this ancient evil spirit named Senkara, who has been released. Senkara has cursed all of Sabuna, and wants them to find the mask for her. So underneath the house, in order to get to the mask, there are all these tunnels, these winding network of tunnels, and within the tunnels, there are challenges they have to face. So one of them is they find out they need these different amulets that can protect them from this blinding light that'll shoot up at them, and the amulets stop the light, but if the amulets are not there, you'll be blind. That's one of the first challenges. There's a a chasm, that leads, you know, they would if you were to fall down, who knows how deep that chasm is. And first they need to find a, a way to get across the chasm, like a walkway, a plank, which they do. But then, once you walk on the plank, there are these huge swinging pendulums that come out of nowhere and could slice you in half. And so you have to figure out how to time that correctly to get through that challenge. There's a room that's like full of all these threads from top to, you know, top to bottom. And they have to maneuver around these spiderweb threads. It's all on spiderwebs. In one challenge, they have to play this ancient Egyptian song. The last big challenge is playing an Egyptian chess called Senate. And if you get on a death square, you, like, you fall through the floor into like, a prison cell almost, which some characters do. So the challenges are just so much fun. I, I really have fond memories of watching those challenges. I have fond memories of the, the pendulum challenge of season two. Just seeing that how cool that was. In season two, there was new characters, most notably Eddie. Eddie's a new boy who, an American boy, who <laughs> gets assigned to live at Anubis' house. And in particular, he's kind of a jokester, fun jokester guy. But in particular, he develops a relationship with Patricia. And that it forms Petty, which is probably the number one romance of the show. Petty really is the number one romance, and probably Fabina number two still. Petty and Fabina are two of my favorites, too. I have one, kind of two more that I really enjoy. Patricia, Patricia herself as a character is pretty, can be a brat sometimes. She can be pretty negative, and she's a bit, but Patricia's, you know, Patricia's a bit of an outside, outlaw, outsider. She likes to have fun. She can be pretty brash. Patricia's very brash. Patricia has no filter at all. And she's kind of tough. Patricia can be kind of tough. But she's also very sensitive. Patricia has a big heart. And Patricia is very easily offended. So she kind of puts up this image sometimes. And with Eddie, who in a way has these same problems, they sort of break down each other's walls with each other. Which, those walls only get built up back up in Season 3. Because they broke them up at the beginning of Season 3. Yeah, spoilers for House of Anubis. I'm trying to be pretty vague. And even if you listen to this, like you, I'm, I'm being, I'm doing, I'm talking about all three seasons, so I'm being very overarching, and so like you won't remember all these specifics I talk about unless you have a really good memory. <laughs> so there's spoilers in here, minimal, minimal spoilers. Like I'm not giving away all the mystery stuff, I'm trying not to. So season two is probably my favorite. There's some other really, really fun characters such as Vera, who is the new house mother. Because there's always there's the house master who's Victor. There's also a house mother too. 
who takes care of who takes care of the kids, which is usually Trudy. Trudy's very fun, but in season two, something that happens at the school is there's this Treasures of Egypt exhibition that comes and is placed at the school. So Trudy goes to work and take care of the exhibition along with Jasper, who's Fabian's godfather, who's another uh, new character in this in, in season two. So the new house mother in Nubis house is Vera, and she becomes very aligned with Victor, who Victor, it turns out, is also looking for the Mask of Anubis and the Book of Isis. Vera's a really fun character. She's very dastardly, because Vera has her own alternative motives and her own reason for being so involved with Victor and wanting the mask. And Vera's, I love Vera, and Vera and Victor's relationship in season two is a really interesting story. Uh, the actress that plays Vera goes on to, in Here's a Harry Potter Connection, in the, I think, the original West End and the Broadway versions of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, she played Jenny in, in both those theatrical productions of Cursed Child. So that actress from Humble House of Anubis Beginnings, it's great. So that's season two. Season two is probably my favorite. There's so much. Season two is the longest season as well. There are a lot of episodes each season. Season one has 30 half-hour episodes. Season two has 45 half-hour episodes. And season three has 40 half-hour episodes. But I have a lot of memories of season three, actually. Season three, there are a lot of changes. Nina, who's that main character, main person in Sabuna, um, is not in season three. The actress, Natalia Ramos, decided to focus on schooling and go to university instead of returning. And so Eddie, actually from season two, becomes kind of a main character and joins Sabuna, joins the mystery gang. And the mystery, season three has the subtitle, The Reawakening. It's House of Anubis, The Reawakening. And the mystery plot is actually kind of sort of scary. It's actually very scary in some ways and involves the undead because it turns out there is somebody who this group of teachers, so Victor, Mr. Sweet, who's the headmaster of the entire academy boarding school, and then this new teacher named Miss Denby, who lives in this new location for the season called the Gatehouse, which is like a like housing for teachers that's on the campus of the boarding school. They are all working together in sort of a secret society, again, to bring somebody back from the dead, to reawaken somebody. That's what they want to do. Who is that somebody? That's sort of a mystery, even though the first like trailer they put out for the season spoiled who that was. And there's 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 a lot of weird things that happen in season three. A lot of weird relationship stuff and some some of the mystery plot is a bit clunky. The first ten episodes of season three are really kinda of tight. And I love the mid season sort of the mid season mark of season three, which is when this reawakening what the teachers were trying to do happens, you know, do they actually reawaken him? I won't, this, 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 this person, I won't tell you. But that happens mid-season, and I love that episode. It's called House of Eclipse. It's probably my favorite episode of the whole show. It's just so wacky. The mystery plot is just so weirdly cult-like and scary. Even season one has a lot of cult imagery with Victor and the teachers, which is really weird for a kid's Nickelodeon program, but that's what they did. Um, in season three... Petty is still a relationship, even though they're sort of broken up. The big new relationship drama in season three is between Jerome and Joy. Jerome has this whole plot because Jerome ends up dating the character Mara and Willow, who's a new character in season three. Again, Willow's a very fun new character. She's very dumb, but she's very free-spirited and just loopy and loves life. Who moves into the house of Anubis because she just likes the whole Anubis vibe. I think that's what she says. <laughs> Willow's a very, very fun character. And so Jerome has some troubles with dating them and then ends up getting with Joy. Now, Joy was the girl who in season one had gone missing. And she's back in season two and she has a really, uh, really long, hard season two. Joy does not make some very, very many decisions, very many good decisions because she's unhappy. Because she missed out on all of season one and those new relationships. She Joy had a crush on Fabian, who then is with Nina in, at the beginning of season two. And has complicated feelings throughout the whole season of that. And Joy just feels like she missed so much and is not being included anymore. And she's really bummed about that. And she's really unhappy. Joy's really depressed in season two. And season three, Joy ends up having a relationship with Jerome at the very end. Jeroy, hashtag Jeroy. And it's very sweet. I love it a lot because 
Jerome and Joy are two characters who have gone through a lot of trauma. A lot of really horrible things. Not the best upbringing for Jerome. A plotted with Jerome in season two, I neglected to mention, is that Jerome tries to track down his father in season two. His father, who he's really never known, doesn't remember him. Turns out his father is in prison. And that's the huge thing about Jerome's story in season two. Jerome has a lot of trauma and healing to work, work through, and so does Joy. You know, I never liked Joy. I remember not liking Joy when I was watching it because, you know, she was trying to break up Fabian and Nina and really a, a, a bit of a whining all the time. But re- watching season two this year, just how unhappy Joy was, how much she wanted and just... She's a really... Joy's kind of a really tragic character in season two. Things things look good by the end of season three for her. And I think Joy is one of my favorite characters. I love Joy. I love Victor, too. Victor, who's an antagonist. I wouldn't call him a villain. He's, he's, he's an antagonist from our main character's perspective. And Victor is a lot of trauma. He's a lot of traumatic backstory with the house, with that Sarah, that old woman who I talked about in the beginning. Victor has a past with her. Very sad. Victor's kind of sort of a tragic character. So Joy in season three goes through kind of a reawakening and healing. Season three is called The Reawakening. That is the subtitle. And it's referring to the mystery, the whole mystery of who is this person that the Sabunas are trying to stop from being re- re- reawakened, reawoken, reawoken? Yes. Yeah, grammar. There's that angle. But also, Joy has her own reawakening. Joy begins to value herself as a person and really go through a lot of personal change and uncover who she is and that she wants to be a better person. I adore Joy's arc in season three, and that's why Joy is... One of my favorite characters. Joy and Victor are my favorite characters. That was season three. And then House of Anubis ends with this movie they did. They did a sort of wrap-up final movie called Touchstone of Ra, which I don't really have very good memories of. I think I might have only seen it in its entirety once. But Touchstone of Ra is sort of a fun story. It's about all of them graduating in an American graduation kind of way, even though they're in Britain at a boarding school where they don't have an American-style graduation. But they brought that into the show. Why? Because they tried to Americanize it more and more, I guess. And it's an okay story. It's 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 it's, 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 it's an okay way to end. They sort of bring in a new generation of Sabuna, a new generation of students entering Anubis House as the main cast is graduating, which is sort of interesting. And it's another big mystery plot with Ra and this, this small touchstone of Ra. And also these, this finding out more about the house, too. The house kind of becomes alive in some ways in touchstone of Ra. So I don't have good memories of it. That's something I do need to rewatch if I can find it online somewhere or if it's available somewhere. Because I'd like to see that. But I don't have the best memories or recollection, even of what happened. I know what happens, but... Not details. I don't have good, a good detail retention from that sh- that movie. So House of Nubis, as you can see, is a lot. There's a lot that happens. There's a lot of episodes. There's a tremendous amount of content of the show. Sometimes it can get a little long. Season 2, because of their multitude of episodes they had, there are some arcs and some little, little pockets of the season and story arcs that drag on a little bit. But overall, it's a really, really good show. And I really love these characters. These characters are my people. I will always say that. I, I just really adore these characters. Nina, you know, Nina's the main girl, the main American character in season one and two, who comes in and is trying to solve the mystery. And she's, you know, Nina, Nina can't lie. There's a lot of, they, Nina gets put into a lot of situations where she has to lie to one of the teachers. Nina's a horrible liar. Oh my gosh. Her and Fabian one time are looking at a telescope and there's like a clue written within within the telescope. And Victor comes in and is like, why are you looking through the telescope on a cloudy night? And Nina says to cover up, you know, for that they were look finding this clue. She's like, oh, Fabian really likes to bowl. So we were looking for bowling alleys in town through the telescope. That's the worst lie that poor girl ever told. She can't lie. She can't lie. Poor Nina. We'll be love her for it. I love Nina's relationship with Fabian. Fabian was, like, my favorite character for a long time. Uh, Brackman does a great job with the character. And he's, um, he's really smart, but he's not people smart and wants these relationships that he's kind of bumbling, bumbling and trying to ask girls out in that way. But he's really smart, and Fabian's got a really good heart and cares about his friends a lot, really cares about the mystery. 
It's always there. He's always there for his friends. Always, always, always. Same with Amber. Amber is really a really good friend. She's a girly, she's a bit of a girly girl, but she's just so fun. And again, Amber has a really good heart. And all these friends, that's something I love about Sabuna, is that this just wonderful friendship, the five of them in particular, the Sabuna Mystery Club have. They're just so tight with one another, and they just love one another and really stand up for each other and are willing to die for each other in season three. Sorry, well, kind of in season three, but in season two, with them all being cursed by this Sankara spirit. They're willing to die for each other. And they just love each other so much and have this rapport of, of solving this mystery together in that community, which is just so special. I love that friendship community with them. Something I've wanted, a good group of friends like that, forever, for my whole life. And I always, I always from House of Anubis, would you know, picture like high school being good. And there are good parts about high school and bad parts about high school. So House of Anubis, I just love that community there. Same with Patricia. Patricia was very brash, like I said. That's probably the best word to describe her. She's no filter. She says whatever. She can be kind of mean sometimes, but Patricia's, again, got a really good heart. Really just wants, is, is so in, is insecure, I think, in many ways, and just wants love. And that's what Eddie sort of brings her. Elfie, who's the other member of Sabuna, I haven't talked about much. Elfie starts out as pretty, he's a jokester. Her, him and Jerome, who are, who are best friends, are jokesters, and they always are pulling pranks and stuff. But Elfie's a bit more sophisticated. And has a bit more level, a, strangely a bit more of a level head, and is nicer, at least nicer at the beginning than Jerome. And so his role in Sabuna is kind of his comic relief a bit, but again, Elfie just loves his friends and has a really good heart. Especially in season three. At the end of season three, Elfie does some really selfless things for his friends. For Oh, I didn't even mention KT. We'll, have, we'll get to KT when we get to KT. I couldn't, can't believe I forgot about KT. My gosh. He does some really selfless things for KT and Eddie in Season 3. And it's just great at the end. He loves his friends. Loves Sabuna and mystery and saving the world. Which is kind of what they're doing. Especially in Season 3. Talked about Eddie quite a bit. Eddie starts off as very much kind of the brash. Sort of a joke. Very, very much a jokester too. But softens through Patricia. And then season three, he's sort of thrust into the leader leader position, the leader of Sabuna, which I never liked because he lost a lot of his good jokey quality of season two. I've always had a problem with that, how he was just thrust into the leader role and that made him be boring sometimes and just have so much responsibility on his shoulders that he wasn't the same the same Eddie as season two anymore. But it's, still, it's a, different, but a different character, really. He's, he's a much different character in some ways in season three. Much more mature, a lot more responsible, but he's, you know... He's still Eddie. He's still Eddie. Joy. I've talked a lot about Joy. I love Joy. We've talked about Joy. KT. I can't believe I forgot about KT. KT is a new character in Season 3 who comes into the house, along with Willow. And she is a very big connection to this mystery also. She was sent, sort of, in Season 3, to come to the house to help stop whatever this ancient evil is. Turns out whoever is being being reawakened, and and she has this key. And KT is a really fun character. I love KT. Uh, people hated her, and I might not have liked her way back when. But I love KT. She's so full of life, and again, she cares about her friends. And she's so just, she's so just f- f- frizzy. That's a weird word. She's so full of life. She's so animated, and but she's just so always smiling. She's always there. And there's just a bubble of joy sometimes too. Great character, KT. Such great. And she develops a real friendship with Eddie, a friendship which Patricia sort of is jealous for and maybe mistakes for romantic tension but the fandom of House Anubis knows that Patri- that <laughs> that KT is a lesbian and never had any feelings for Eddie at all because we've decided KT is gay and I love that that's what Tumblr has decided and it's so true it's so true it's so true love KT gay icon of House of Anubis Mara is that sort of studious girl who I was talking about earlier who's in a relationship with Mick she's eventually in a relationship with Droll and Mara's, no, Mara's pretty good Mara goes through a lot of development in her relationship with Mick and then Jerome. And then season three, after some of that fell through, just really going through a rough breakup and really falling in her personal morality and what she wants and who she wants to be and really losing losing herself to, to revenge. Losing herself to these vices. That's what season three is about, too, is what happens when we, when we lose ourselves to vices and things like temptation and greed and jealousy, uh, envy, jealousy, and just revenge and hate. What happens when we do that? 
that's what season three is also talking about that. And can we come back from that? Can we be reawoke, be reawoken from our past sins? Those are the questions season three wrestles with. And, and the solution they come up with is, is, is about trust, is about trusting ourselves and trusting one another. That's what season three ultimately is, it talks about and kind of is, is, is their solution to that. Is that you can overcome these things just by trust. And that's a really deep message in season three, which I didn't real I never realized that until this summer when I rewatched season three. And I think that messaging is just really important and really, really actually well done. When you look at it, when you are able to analyze it like that, it's really well done. Talk about Jerome. Jerome um, is sort of a jokester like Elfie in the beginning, but Jerome is very sensitive. Jerome's got a lot of issues, like his father being in prison and wrestling with that in, in season two. And again, Jerome did not have a very good childhood. He was at Anubis' house for a long time. Because, yeah, Jerome's mother shipped him off to boarding school. He has a sister. Jerome has a sister, too, who's introduced in the second season, Poppy. Who I wish came back in the third. Poppy could have knocked some sense into Jerome in season three. I'm always disappointed that Poppy did not stick around. So Jerome's a fascinating character as well. And then his his healing with joy in season three is really really special to watch, too. Mick, um, Mick is sort of the jock. The dumb jock in some ways. But Mick's got a good heart. He dates Amber in the beginning, and then he has a relationship with Mara. And then he's sort of ridden out of the show in season two. Then he's not in season three. I've never been a big Mick fan. I know one of the girls on Anubis Backwards loves Mick and loves Mick and Mara. I've never been a big Mick fan. But he's, he's a fun character. Willow, I mentioned briefly about in season three. She comes in. She's very bubbly. She's very full of life and craziness. And Willow, I don't even know how to describe Willow. You just have, you just have to experience Willow in season three. Victor against the main villain. Trudy was is the house mother of the kids. Mr. Sweet is the headmaster of the school. Rufus. In season one and two, there's a villain named Rufus, who is an ex-member of Victor's secret society for immortality and stuff. And so he's actually the main villain of season one. And he comes into conflict with Victor. He's more of a villain than Victor and some of the teachers are, which is always interesting. Sankara's the villain in season two. I talked about Vera. Uh, Robert Fabricius Smythe is a character in season three, who's kind of mentioned in season one and two, who built the house. He built the house. He was sort of this Egyptologist, archaeologist guy who is very much involved with the treasures of the house and maybe hid the treasure and made the tunnels underneath the house. And then he has even a bigger role to play in, in the third season. And he's a great season three there's some great stuff with Robert. Very over the top. I, I won't give it I won't give away any more than that. You have to experience Robert. So yeah, House of Anubis. Really fun program. Again, I love the ships too, Fabina, all oh, the relationships. Fabina, uh Petty. Fabina's Fabian and Nina. Petty is Patricia and Eddie. And I love Joy. I love Jerome and Joy. And then my crack ship of House of Anubis is Fabian and Eddie. My gosh. Fabian and Eddie. Ugh. There's this fan fiction called Cryptic Kisses on AO3. I love that fan fiction. Oh my gosh. There's a point in season two, in season three, sorry, where Fabian is no longer with Nina and Eddie is no longer with Patricia. And I'm, my headcanon is that they experimented with each other. I think they were both bi, or at least one of them is bi. Uh, and they were roommates. That's, that's all I'll say about that. And I just, I just think that they totally experimented and then, uh, and just had a little relationship in the crypt. <laughs> that's all I can say about that that's why I love House of Nubis it's just such a good show such a fun show with such fun characters that actually explores some really good themes in season 3 I think and just as a fun wild ride there's so many episodes and you can get so involved with these characters and I think they just presented for me especially young me just a really wonderful group of friends a wonderful found family between the Sabuna group and these characters, these students living in the house, and just such fun high school experiences, so much more fun than sort of dangerous and sexy and intrigue, like you see in a show like Riverdale, like the Riverdale trash. I just think House of Anubis is just so precious and such just a fun show, and it was really one of my first fandoms that I ever participated in a little bit or just I just remember really getting into a show so I'm so glad 10 years later I am still talking about it and you should all watch it it's available for purchase on Amazon Prime you can watch it for free if you subscribe to CBS All Access which will soon be Paramount Plus they're going to rebrand that soon I believe and House of Anubis is in other places too it's on Daily Motion people have uploaded the whole show on Daily Motion but it's just such a fun show I just love these characters love the friendships love the friendships
and inspire me to be a better friend and to go out and search for and find and find a, a good friend group too, which is a goal of 2021. I Like I said in the beginning, I'm rediscovering what friendships means and what are good friendships and the people that I want to have in my life. And I think House of Anubis presents a good model for that, of supportive, caring, kind, fun friends. And that's what I'm working towards discovering in college and the rest of my life. I have some great friends now um, in particular, and I have some friends who I've had that I don't know how I feel about them anymore and realizing what true friendship is. Then I'm going forward in a new direction with some of that. And House of Anubis is sort of a... was writing on the wall for that. And I just love it. Such a fun show. I mean, it's my show. Love these characters so, 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 so much. So that is why you should watch House of Anubis. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to me talk and talk and talk about House of Anubis. I have already some episodes recorded for this podcast. It'll be coming out soon. Hopefully. I have an episode with Grace O'Brien, if you remember Grace from the Marvel episode, and we're going to be discussing another one of my favorite shows, Once Upon a Time. i also planning eventually to do an episode with David, or maybe one of my friends from college, if I can convince him to do it, about The Mandalorian, particularly The Mandalorian Season 2, do another Force Friends. I think that would be fun. Very, very fun. And I may have some, some other episodes planned. Grace and I might do an episode, you know, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina has their final episodes that are coming out. We might do an episode on that if I get around to watching that. And who knows? Who knows? Possibilities are endless. But I do want to start having this podcast again because it's a lot of work to edit it. But I do love doing this and talking with all of you guys. Thank you for those of you who have been listening and who were with me and waited through this hiatus and are right back to jump on the Mystery Science Marshall train again and talk about these things that I love. So, until next time, remember to love what you love, love who you love, love yourself, and keep on feeling groovy. Bye, everybody. Have a great beginning of your 2021. Good riddance to 2020. Welcome 2021. No deeds to do, no promises to keep I'm dappled and drowsy and ready to sleep Let the morning time drop all its petals on me Life, I love you, all is groovy